What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome to Creature Feature, the podcast where we shrink down and go on a journey through the brains of people and animals. I'm Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology at Harvard, and I'm a birds rights activist on Twitter. This time we're looking at motherhood. It's no shock that parenting children can be scary. You're trying to turn a wild, drooling, biting, poopy little freshly minted human into an upstanding citizen even though all he wants to do is shove marbles way up his nose. But there are dark sides to motherhood that go beyond the typical challenges. We're going to take a look at some of the freakiest filial phenomenons in the animal kingdom and the truth behind some of the horror movie tropes about motherhood. With me today to discuss some of these wild mothers is co-host of the Daily Zeitgeist, Miles Gray. What's up, Miles? Oh, hi. <laughs> I was in suspended animation because I'm not used to a good podcast. Just, yes. Hi. Thank you for having me. Just hypnotized <laughs> by my radio voice. Yeah, no, it was amazing. <laughs> so, uh, do you know, there's this creature in folklore called the Changeling. Have you ever heard of The that Angelina myth? Jolie movie? Uh, well, I mean, sort Wait, of. Wait, that's from science? That's, well, it's from folklore and mythology. No, see, I'm not a, I'm, my folklore and mythology game is not on point, as some would say. <laughs> well, you're in for a wild ride because, uh, so the changeling is this thing where a fairy steals a human baby and then it replaces it with a disguised fairy baby. So uh-huh. that's the changeling. Uh, and the- then the parent raises the fairy child yes exactly okay so the changeling looks like a human child but its behavior is kind of weird you know it's just like off somehow Mm -hmm. and uh it's not a human because it's not a human it's a fairy and then like one of the parts of the myth is one day it's going to leave the human world and return to its fairy family uh meanwhile so the human baby that was stolen is like put to work in the fairy court as like a, a servant or in some cases, the myth, like the fairies raise it because they're like, oh, it's it's cool to have a human child. 
but uh, so the fairies rely on human slave labor. Yeah, that's a that, stolen human slave. That's what really, I'm getting. That, <laughs> that is a very uh, <laughs> sober take on it. But um, yes, we'll go with that. Uh, <laughs> Wait, but what do the and then the parents? They think what? What is a weird thing a changeling can do that a human parent might go? That's that's not like what a human baby would do. Well, this is where it gets a little bit more dark. Okay. <laughs> um, so anthropologists and people who study folklores uh, think that. This was an explanation for children who were born with developmental disabilities, mental illness, or like physical wow. uh, deformities. Uh, yeah, so it's like, oh, this child is different. And it's like, oh, so, you know, it must be a fairy just because they're like maybe uh, on the spectrum or right. have some kind of cognitive difference. Right, or just neurally atypical or something. Right, or even Neurologically just, atypical. Yeah, neurologically or even just like physically a little different. So that sounds like a scam artist pediatrician who yes. doesn't know anything and just goes, you know, I think a fairy doesn't got <laughs> And then like, doctor, I need answers. Well, that's sort of, that's funny because that, that, it does remind me of like, uh, you know how like there are a lot of anti-vaxxers who are like, oh, <laughs> yeah, you boy, know, like... <laughs> Uh, my child just suddenly changed into a completely different personality overnight with autism. Oh, is that something that pe- those parents say? Yeah, because th- one of the characteristics of autism is you have normal child development. And then at a certain point, uh, at a very young age, like around toddlerhood, like you regress. So the, right. the child regresses, starts developing a lot slower. So they're, the perception of the parent is that they had a, a normally developing child that suddenly just became uh like right. started regressing and that's just a normal part of the development of autism or asperger's so it's like they're using that timing to j- rationalize right. they're like well it must have been the vaccines right, right because you get a vaccine that's around the age where you get a lot of inoculations sure. so from their perspective and i can actually really sympathize with that because from their perspective they get the shot then suddenly the child regresses right and so they're like well this must have been I mean, it's essentially like the changeling thing. Like now we don't have a cultural belief in fairies, but, you know, maybe skepticism about vaccinations has right. replaced that sort of. Um, or check check your ring camera on your front door and see if a fairy came <laughs> in in the night and took off with your child. And that's why all of a sudden your kid knows every capital city in the United States. <laughs> or I don't know. I mean, that's maybe overly reductive description. But anyway, yes, I understand. Well, but what if there really was a supernatural explanation? Like, what if your child really was taken? So I want to go on an imagination journey. Yes, with let's you. do it. First, you got to imagine that you have a baby. Right. Uh, it's already very dark. For me. Okay. <laughs> a grim future. Yes. You've just come home from a long day of podcasting. You. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I like the idea where I'm like. That's the equivalent of like real hard graphs. I'm like, yeah. And I got, you know how many ads I had to re-record yeah, today, just, honey? Just got back from the podcast mines. Mm-hmm. Been sitting all day. <laughs> uh, you go to the nursery to check on your kid and you look in the crib and you just feel like, I mean, your baby looks like your baby, but there's something just a little off. Like she seems like she's grown a little bit and she starts crying. And uh-huh. she, and you're like, oh, okay, she needs something like she needs to be changed or held. And you try all these things and she keeps crying and she cries louder and louder. And it's just like these ear splitting cries. And you just feel like, oh, I have to feed her. Right. And you keep. Maybe that's the ticket. 
Right. Mm-hmm. That's the ticket. Like a, a warm bottle of milk, sure. apple juice. I, I don't have I don't it. know. I have apple juice for a young baby. Okay, maybe I'm not, not a parent, but I'm that sounds a, like too much. I'm not a parent either. I right. don't know how to do, how to handle <laughs> yeah. a baby. I'm like, maybe we cook up some Just, hot pockets. Do we throw <laughs> corn at it? I'm not yeah. really sure. So we try and feed it. Trying to feed it. The cries just keep getting louder. And it, it just feels like you have to keep feeding it. And you're feeding her and feeding her. You're going, like, you're working around the clock, like, pumping breast milk, mixing right. formula, going to the store to get graham crackers. Freezing the breast milk, defrosting right. the breast milk. <laughs> but nothing is ever enough. But you're just like, because you, if you've ever heard, like, a baby cry, you're like, one of the reasons it's so irritating isn't just because it's noisy, but we have this instinctive desire to like, uh-oh, this is a problem. Right. So it's like really distressing. So like when you're on a plane and a baby's crying, it's worse than like someone sneezing or coughing because it's like you feel this like distress. I don't know. Distress. Have you been on a plane where someone sneezes open mouth right next to you? Yeah, I've actually been on a plane where someone, I was like in the third seat and there were two seats and she was there with her husband Uh and since she didn't want to sneeze on her husband she turned to me and direct all her sneezes at me oh i know wait hold on that has to be illegal or something that's putting you at risk it also doesn't make sense because like if there's anyone you should be able to sneeze on it's your your husband husband. right right well i've got bad news for birds miles what this Uh, is a real thing it is a real thing uh, so there are actual changelings in the bird world, and you may have heard of them. They're called cuckoos, and they're not just the clocks. They're also a real bird. <laughs> and a nest that um, one flew over at some point. Well, this is the thing. There aren't, there aren't cuckoo nests. Oh! Uh, <laughs> so your reality I'm has sorry, been I, I crushed. Okay, wait, what does a cuckoo look like? Well, there's not actually one look, and we'll get into that. Okay, I'm sorry. But uh, so cuckoos are actually parasites, and I know normally when you think of parasites, you think of like an insect that gets into your eyes and makes you go blind or something. Right, right, right. But it can be any animal as long as it's a non-mutual relationship. So the parasite is living off of the host to the detriment of the host. Right. And one of the differences between like parasites and predators is a predator eats the thing like kills right. it eats it and a parasite slowly feeds off of it <laughs> over time and this is the relationship of a cuckoo mm-hmm. from child to parent no no from oh. the cuckoo and the host family so birds that it infiltrates so what it does is because it doesn't want to waste time making a nest like that's right. that's bullshit it doesn't want to yeah. make a nest and fuss with that or take yeah what am i a good care- parent yeah take care of a kid boring so it finds a bird that's a good parent is like oh you'll do and lays their egg in their nest and just leaves it for this other bird to take care of and raises its own child like a like a changeling. Right. Or like my uncle who just dropped my cousin off. Oh, man. That's... And then I'm like, why is this fool here? He just <laughs> snacks. Wait, so it's just foisting their young on another bird family, yes, essentially. Exactly. They've been Clever foisted. Clever bird. Mm-hmm. It's not just the cuckoo. There are different types of parasitic birds. Uh, the cuckoo is the most famous. There's also the cuckoo finch, the honey guide, and the cowbird. Um, <laughs> the cowbird. Just like, just a bird with some udders sloshing yes. around. <laughs> not aerodynamic at all, can't fly. <laughs> so there's a problem for the cuckoo, which is that birds don't want to raise your child. Uh, right. They don't want to. So they have to find a way to sneak the egg into the nest. 
So some species, like the cowbird, just waits for the nest to be unoccupied, and then they lay their egg in there. But there are more complex strategies that are developed. So there's intimidation as right. a strategy. So this is where we get into the different looks of these birds. So, but they all the end game is all the same, which is right. you about to raise my kids. Yes, exactly. Okay, but then they have different avenues of getting to right. Okay, so we've gone over one, which is like sneak it in there while the parents are gone. Right. The second one is they develop an appearance similar to a predator. So old world cuckoos have developed an underbelly that is meant to mimic that of raptors. So raptors are not just the gold bloom eating variety. The uh, dinosaur. Not the dinosaur, or right. Or the Toronto basketball team. No, I'm it, sorry. <laughs> it's a bird of prey. So they fly over and then they have this these stripe marks on their underbelly and a curved beak. And so when the when the host bird is looking up and seeing this, they're thinking, oh, this is going to eat me. So they fly off. And then when they've run off in terror, like the, the cuckoo, who is not a predator, just goes in, lays their egg, and leaves. Wait, uh, you studied evolutionary biology. Mm -hmm. How does a bird, right? I understand like through natural selection or whatever that certain traits make it and that's how evolution occurs. But like to develop a trait in which the bottom mimics the appearance of another animal mm -hmm. is that just by chance and then because of that that trait moves up yep or is can a can a bird just be like yo i need my gut to look <laughs> like a predatory bird just, raptor body no it, it really is just by by random chance over millions Million, right. of years so you have like you have all of these things that like tiny changes in your dna can have a pretty dramatic effect on your phenotype so your um, I know what that means. Yeah, uh -huh. your no, your physical <laughs> your your physical characteristics. So you know, like how Darwin's finches, their beaks. He he observed evolutionary changes in their beaks over like short periods of time, based on like uh, which seeds were in season and like the availability of nuts versus seeds versus like what shell type. Um, so you can imagine like having a curved beak is a fairly like I don't want to say simple thing, but like. You know, having stripes or having these kind of like changes, subtle changes in appearance, right, right. appearance could conceivably come from just a few mutations. And if that is effective, then it's going to get passed on because they're like they scared off the host family. Their eggs get successfully raised by the host. Right. OK. Thank you for. And just over just imagine that. But over like such a long period of time. Right. That then everybody looks like that. <laughs> that's just how it works. Why don't we look like that? We should. Yeah. Well, pretty soon. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know what that next stage of human evolution looks like. Birds. You think we'll become birds? Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> well, then we've settled it. End of argument. Yeah. So that's one. And then there's another strategy. So the cuckoo finch does the equivalent of wearing like a fake nose and mustache. Like they, a Groucho Marx thing. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And they're like, I'm a normal normal. It's okay. Don't worry. Right. Um, so they've evolved to mimic um, the southern red bishop birds, which are harmless species of non-parasitic birds, just like friendly neighbor bird. That way they're like, hey, I'm I'm just your friendly neighbor. I'm a bishop. I'm I'm a good person. Right. And then they, they go in and lay the egg and the host species are like, what? I, I thought you were my friend. Well, in that sense, is that, that the potential host bird... Because they identify, they're seeing the red bishop. They're like, "Oh, that's fine if you lay your egg in my nest." Is that sort of? They just don't expect that to happen. They they don't. Right. They right, haven't right. been 
they haven't been trained. They don't necessarily catch them. Here's here's the thing. If they catch them laying their eggs in their nest a lot, the problem is they'll start to associate that behavior with the look of the southern red bishop birds. Because, you know, you can imagine the relationship between the cuckoos and the host. They have like this arms race or wings race. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Birds. Anyways. Birds. Uh, <laughs> and so the hosts are really trying hard to suss out, like, who's going to do this to me? And then the the parasites are, like, trying to trick them. Right. So actually what's happened is that now the hosts are suspicious of southern red bishop birds. And they, like, attack oh, them on to site. Learn. Oh, yeah. so now the innocent people right. are getting caught up in this mess. Right, exactly. And they're like, what I do? Right. <laughs> There's just so many, like such insidious strategies that the cuckoos have developed. So, so how does it look like that's just a trait that yeah. the cuckoo just looks like a red bishop? Yes. That's the deal? Okay, yeah. so I, I was hoping, I don't know why I thought this was even feasible, that there were some kind of disguise. Oh, that they like wore some, wore like a little, like some leaves around. Or <laughs> yeah, like, like, yo, where's my, where's my costume <laughs> kit? And like, I can't rub, lay this egg. Rub some berries on their yeah. wings, Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, that, I'm, I'm showing how scientifically <laughs> illiterate I am. <laughs> but interesting that you'd say that. So, like, they do disguise their eggs uh, sometimes to look like the host eggs. So, oh, okay. in color and shape and roughly size, although they will be bigger because cuckoos are much bigger than their hosts generally. Right. And then the uh, <laughs> there's one uh, strategy where, like, some cuckoos just have eschewed the whole, like, tricking the birds into accepting them and they develop a cuckoo mafia that like if the host species tries to push their eggs out of the neck they attack them oh so it's just like no you will babysit my baby yeah hey it'd be a shame if somebody <laughs> messed this nest up real good okay i like bird mafia cuckoo yeah. mafia yeah it's like oh wise guy eh? yeah exactly <laughs> And then the babies themselves are pretty bad, too, because, like, when they hatch, cuckoo babies have developed, like, these strong backbone, like, shoulders to push out the eggs of the host species. Okay. Because it's not enough that they are just raised amongst other, like, half, you know, adopted siblings. They want all the food. They want all the parental attention. That is best for them, especially because they're so big. And they have... Terrible abandonment issues. Yeah, and off the rip. And they—that's where, like, remember how I was talking about, like your your imaginary baby that would cry so loud. You kept feeding it as much as you could, right? Because it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. what they do. So researchers uh, have looked at their vocal patterns, and they are akin to like several of the host species birds. Uh, so like the the babies will will make this little chirp, this little cry, right. so that the parents feed them. It's a signal. The parents instinctively like they hear the cry and feed them. But the cuckoo, who is just so big and fat, if it doesn't get more nutrition than like one bird would get, then it would not get enough. So it it its cry sounds like several other babies so the host birds are like oh i gotta keep feeding these seven babies which are seem to be like this one, one mouth big baby that keeps opening right right and they also have markings on the inside of their mouth that mimics the markings on the inside of the mouths of the host babies because that mark is sort of like um, a bullseye for like the parents to, like stick worm in yeah yeah and they so still do that right that's they do. How birds still yeah feed. they do they okay. do they 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 have it and then they have a special little pouch in their neck their throat that they 
regurgitate the food into. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I know. Nice. Wait, so then on top of it, you need a bird who the belly looks like a raptor with a curved beak, <laughs> and you hit the trifecta of having the mouth that looks like an, another baby's yeah. mouth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's a strategy to defeat the the mimic babies, and so there's, uh, this is a great name, but the superb fairy wren, which just sounds so fancy. Of course, the super fairy wren. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they will tweet out a password to Wait. their eggs. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're embryonic chicks. Uh-huh. And the chicks will hatch. And when they come back with their nice regurgitation food to give their babies, if the babies don't tweet that password at them, they abandon the nest. Because embryonic fairy wrens can encode this tweeted password and then tweet it. What? Chirp it once they're born. But the imposters, any kind of parasitic baby will not be able yeah, to do this. Doesn't have the code. Right, right. So then the fairy wren is like, well, you know, I'll just abandon this nest and try to start again. You know what's really sad? Again, I completely forgot that tweet meant bird talk. <laughs> and I thought you were fucking around. I'm like, yeah, they tweet a password and then, yeah, they've They've checked their mentions too. <laughs> wow. Okay. So that's encoded. Yeah. And then if the the wild cuckoo's in there trying to get a free meal, yeah. it's like saying the complete wrong password to right. get in the nightclub and the bouncer's right. like, yo, exactly. these are fakes. Um. So are you scared that someone is going to be a cuckoo or a change? Oh, absolutely. Now? That's why I always ask for a DNA test <laughs> when someone says, these are your kids. And I say, <laughs> not so fast. Thank you, Maury Povich. Uh, the, the super wren of our time. I just feel drop. bad, you know, for the host, like any parent, right, who's like, I've been raising someone else's kid <laughs> this whole damn time. Yeah. What do you, you know? Yeah. Is the, and I don't know if we're getting to this, but is the way this plays out is that, are is the true victims the other offspring of the host bird, or does the parent parental bird also get basically worn down to the point that they expire? Well, the parents don't die, but it is very bad for them because they want their genes to pass on. So they right. want their uh, their chicks to survive. So it's um, still draining them of resources that would otherwise go towards promoting their chicks and their uh, genetic progeny. Right. And meanwhile, this fake baby is shoulder shrugging their kids off the nest yeah. and off the ground. <laughs> so is there like a real life human changeling? This is a rhetorical question because mm. I'm about to tell you. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, so in 1994, a boy named Nicholas Barclay went missing. His family was devastated. So in 1997, when French authorities said they found Nicholas, they were really excited to be reunited with him. But there were a few things that were kind of off about him. So his eyes were dark when Nicholas's eyes were lighter. Um, He wore a hat and a scarf around his face. His accent was vaguely French. And he explained these differences by saying he had been in this, like, human slave trade and, like, he he had been abused and, like, so his accent changed and they used some chemical on his eyes. And even if they were a little suspicious, he knew all these intimate details about the family, like their names, stories about their childhood. He even had, like, the same tattoo on his finger, that uh, Nicholas had. Wait, so how old was he when he disappeared? I think he was like in his like preteens. And he had a hand tattoo? 
Yeah, a little, little like cross tattoo on his hand. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I'm hung up. I'm like, why does that child have a tattoo? I don't know. Are, aren't you cool, man? Yeah, he's edgy and getting lost <laughs> in Europe, so okay. It's, it's what the kids do yeah. these days. Well, in the 90s. <laughs> um, My face tattoos look so passe. <laughs> so, surprise, he wasn't Nicholas Barclay. And he wasn't even a kid. He was a 23-year-old French man named Frédéric Bourdin. Right. Wasn't there a documentary about yes, this? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, I, now I remember when uh-huh. it was like, it was, a, it was a man the whole time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. An adult man. And it wasn't just this one time. He was a serial imposter who repeatedly pretended to be a young boy so he could attend school and live in youth shelters. And was he doing anything else except just to get by, just... For shelter, or was he? It was complicated because he was saying that it wasn't just for like any kind of like security or, or financial gain. It was because he liked the attention. He wanted the love from oh, the, right. his peers and families and like teachers. All the sympathy, right? Yeah, and but in the case of like Nicholas Barclay, he was actually trying to get out of potentially going to jail because they're like, ah, oh, you are not who you say you are. Right. So like he wanted to go to America to escape these charges. So he, so he was doubled like, down on yeah. these frauds. Like, <laughs> I'm actually this American kid. <laughs> right, right. I know I sound French, but you know right. how it is. Like You know how it is. You know, you go to you go a semester abroad once. Yeah. And yeah, suddenly you're, you're like, saying Barcelona. You go, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> oh, wow. That was, you speak French? Un petit peu? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, we. Oui. There we go. Okay, <laughs> see, we're a multilingual podcast. <laughs> I mean, like today, though, it's hard to imagine like teenagers falling for this. Like maybe it was different in the 90s. Oh, yeah. Like I feel like if a man was like, oh, like a fully grown man was like, oh, I like to play those fork nights. Yeah. <laughs> hey, fellow kids. Like, yeah, literally. I like, I like to watch the poopy dies. Oh, yeah. I love LeBron Wayne. He's the best <laughs> MC Escher ever. Like, what? Wait, so how did that guy know all those stories? Well, he he did he was actually really talented because he would like go like as soon as he, he was really nervous once he like went to their home, but he was like going through everything, like going through photo albums, like reading stuff and diaries and stuff so wow. that he could get Oh, so he just picked like, all that up. Genuinely talented guy who just put all of his like I know. intelligence towards something so bad. He could have been an improviser. <laughs> Everyone in improv is just like a smidge away from impersonating. Yeah, I mean, and you know, we need that kind of talent. (laughs) So, hey, fellow kids, we're going to take a totally tubular quick break. Skateboards, fidget spins. (laughs) We'll be right back, my dudes. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. 
Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great tasting all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to symbiotica.com. That's C Y M B I O T I K A. So, you know Rosemary's baby? Yeah, I mean, Rosemary Guerrero, I went to high school with her. <laughs> she, I think she had the baby after we graduated, though. Uh, not quite the one I was talking about. Okay, what are you talking about? Uh, the movie where she's having Satan's baby. Oh, you know what? I've never seen that movie, but I'm familiar with the <laughs> yes, concept. Yes, And it's funny, because all the priests at my high school told Rosemary the same thing. <laughs> she was having Satan's child. <laughs> oh, weren't we all? Uh, but so other movies have uh, kind of gone into this because I think we have like this, there's this fear of like something's growing inside of you that's like evil or going to hurt you. Um, so, I'm sorry, you feel like this? Uh, I mean, don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk later. I'm curious about the darkness. You're the most cheery person, but I'm sure, yes, there's some kind of demon within you. <laughs> the demon within. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, like in Alien, the, the alien right. in, in the movie Alien uh, like, you know, it's like, it's not like the, the chest burster is scarier to me than even just like the, the big mother alien. Oh, yes. Cause like, he, there's like John Hurt, he's just like sitting around eating his space salad and like all of a sudden he feels sick and then this thing, sorry, spoilers, but it like bursts out of his chest. Is that what happens? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And it's just like what the movie was capturing was this like feeling. I'm of- sorry, it bursts from so, his chest you might want to view the movie i I've, i i don't want to spoil it I, more. <laughs> yeah I, I i have a problem lying about seeing movies i haven't seen but that sounds awful mm-hmm. it, well he died but like oh. <laughs> um but like you have this thing it's like this subversion of the joy of like parenthood and it's <laughs> <laughs> i guess yeah that's it and a very intense way to think of it right <laughs> so i want to talk about some very real nightmare fuel, though. Uh, well, yeah, I think just to, to go off of that, right? I think any time I see a movie where something is crawling around mm-hmm. on someone's insides, yes. unbeknownst to them, or maybe they did know. Like even in The Matrix, when the oh. agent puts that weird like digital shrimp on oh, his belly button. And then, and then the shrimp just... goes in there. Or yeah. like in The Mummy where those things yes. go under the There's skin. something mm-hmm. – I think – I know what you mean. You feel especially vulnerable yeah. because this isn't an an external threat. No, it's coming from inside the body. The call is coming from <laughs> inside the house, so to speak. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just... <laughs> I think most of us can sympathize with the fear of being pregnant and not knowing it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> just like, like a million voices are just like, yes. Oh, yeah. But what if it took you 60 years to find out you've been carrying a fetus the whole time? I think I know what you're talking about. Okay. Can I guess? Yeah, you can guess. Is it that woman in Thailand? Maybe. Be more specific. Does she have a fossilized embryo? Yes. 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 But all I know is I remember that like a woman gave birth to a rock. Or no, she had a, she had a pain, right? Yeah. And they yeah. Had, okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I don't. This no, isn't my show. No, but you're, you're on the right track. Okay, go Because on. it's called a lithopedian, which... Translates to stone baby, 
It's an, <laughs> it's an extremely rare form of miscarriage. So typically, oh, I'm sorry, I don't want to laugh at that. No. I, I was laugh. For the record, I he laughed was, at Stone. Baby. He was laughing at Stone Baby. Everybody, just leave him okay, alone. Okay, just get leave off me his alone. back. Get off my mentions. Um, <laughs> um, so typically, when you have when something goes wrong, the fetus gets reabsorbed back into the the womb. But in really rare cases, like if it's too big or it doesn't reabsorb um, and it isn't ejected from the body, what happens is it starts to calcify and fossilize, like you were saying. Because what's actually happening is the mother's body is reacting to a foreign object and it's shielding itself from the dead tissue. Right. You know, it's, it's kind of like so when oysters create... Um, <laughs> Yeah, like where we're uh, going. So like, you know, like when oysters create pearls, like people say, oh, it's from a grain of sand, but it's usually from like a parasite. So what they do is they produce this substance called nacre and coat it over a long period of time and it results in this beautiful pearl. But I mean, in the case of lithopedions, it's a nightmare pearl of Wait, unspeakable uh, horror. Pearl is a stone baby for an oyster? Basically. Or a but it's kidney not, stone that's so beautiful? Pretty much. So it's like, it's not... Covering their own fetus, uh, right, right. But, but I mean, in, it's like a parasite or the process. A, yeah, yeah. Because like that parasite or, or foreign body could cause problems for the oyster, like infection or and so. And the like, nacre is mm-hmm. the like. So the the strategy is just saran wrap the shit out of this exactly. thing so it doesn't mess us up. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay, I'm trying to put in lemons. <laughs> So they saran wrap the shit out of it with nacre, and then you get a pearl. And you turn into a necklace. Yeah, and then you turn into a thing that old ladies wear. <laughs> Are pearls back in? Are they? I Have don't they know. ever left? I, I'm the <laughs> wrong person to ask as I like, show off my pearl jewelry. So like you were saying, in the case of the that one lady, she carried the stone baby for 60 years. It weighed four and a half pounds. And actually, you said like, like she gave birth to it. no. It's just it remained inside her because the doctors determined she was too old for surgery. So it was safer just to leave it there, which just is awful. Oh, no. I know. Wait, so it never it was never removed? No. Wow. How common is this? It's pretty rare, right? Very rare. Extremely rare. Because I feel like it was just one of those headlines like years ago on the Internet. Yeah. It's like woman has fossilized baby. It's extremely rare and even more rare for it to be so long unnoticed. Um, right. So this basically will n- don't worry. This will not happen to you. Do you think for science, did, is this woman still alive? Do we know? I'm not sure. I wonder. I mean, just for science's sake, you would think you would want to extract that just to kind of look. I at know it. they do have samples of they they do have like specimens of, right. of stone babies. That would be a flex for jewelry. <laughs> oh god, just a big necklace. <laughs> yeah, just put oh, that like god. on a chain or a dangle earring. Oh no. I'm sorry. Look, I'm just thinking oh, outside no. the box. You got me thinking about pearls. <laughs> What's with the, you know, the, my new Lidopedian like line of jewelry? an alien race who, like, has necklaces made out of human yes. pearls. See, that's, again, now we're writing a, a sci-fi script yeah. that I can get behind. Like Marge Simpson 75 from the Betelgeuse <laughs> Marge galaxy. Simpson. Simpson. With Emperor President <laughs> Clinton. So there are actual, like, horrific chestburster-like alien babies in nature First, I want to talk about Sicilians, not Sicilians from Princess Bride. Okay. Um, Thank you. Whom you never want to engage in bets with, I no. believe. 
But so cilians look like worms, but they're not. They can be as small as worms. They can be up to four feet in length, but they're actually legless amphibians. You're making a face. Ugh. Yeah, just Very... the idea that well, just knowing that the route <laughs> we're taking and we're starting off like it could be this small. It could be four feet long. I you don't know, know. Y- who knows how it could be as tall as a building. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, what are they called again? Sicilians. Sicilians. And they're they're amphibians. They don't have any legs, okay. and they they squanch around. <laughs> what does that mean, squancher? Is yeah, that a scientific term? No, but oh. it's it's you know it's just is that like the how, sound I imagine they make. Is that because they do the thing like a like a worm where they like bunch their butt up and yeah, they move? Yeah, yeah. Squanching, as we Squanching. call it. Squanching. And then snakes do slithering. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So the baby Sicilians have special teeth that resemble grappling hooks that they use to peel and eat their mother's skin for nourishment. What? <laughs> they so, peel. Oh, we're getting Wait, a, hold on. we're getting a picture of this here. They look like little worms, and they got. Little, oh little, my god! You know that like, looks so disgusting. You you know like the the sarlacc pit in Star Wars. It's like that. Yeah, that looks like a butthole with teeth. Yeah, butthole with teeth. That you could fall into. You know into? what? This is actually the second time on this podcast we've talked about buttholes butt with, with teeth. teeth. Yeah, it's a whole genre. Of, it is. It's a whole look. It you is. Know? It's coming back, much like the pearl. <laughs> So the mother will lose about 14% of her body weight, but she's totally cool with this. She allows her offspring to eat her skin. The offspring is within the mother, or, it, it or can how be. does it do? So sometimes, so some live-bearing species of Sicilians, they're actually eating inside of the mother, so they eat the fatty secretions from the reproductive organs. But other times they're already born, and uh-huh. they're like, or the, the eggs are laid, and like they pop out, and then they start eating like mom jerky. Just like <laughs> yo, mom jerky. <laughs> it's nutritious and delicious. Please make that a shirt. <laughs> mom tested, mom approved. Mom jerky. It's in fact mom. My kids love my skin. <laughs> love the skin um, you're in. Mm-hmm. Love it and eat it. And they just bite uh, like so. It would it, I mean mimic sort of like mammalian feeding, where like a bunch of little kids are just like kind of nipping yeah. away, but yeah. there's no. Nipples or udders is yeah, just basically, biting, eating your skin off. Okay, it's kind of a weird evolutionary step towards like drinking milk because like so some of the very early versions of mammals like monotremes, so like uh, platypus, echidnas, they don't have nipples. They just kind of ooze milk. Um, <laughs> all, all their pores. Yeah. Uh, I think out of their stomach pores. Okay, so it's um, not just like a mess of milk yeah, sweat. Like, they're like, like, oh my God. Sweating milk. Yeah, they're like, is your baby around? <laughs> You're milk sweating all over the place. Yeah, and then the babies just kind of lick it up. So, But it's, it's not, I don't want to make a claim that this is the direct link between that. But you can kind of see this is a weird step because the mother is actually growing the skin, especially for the kids. So it's oh, this right. thick, nutritious, delicious skin. mom skin. And they actually survive this, so it's, it doesn't kill them. Okay. But sometimes, for n- not all moms who let their children eat them are so lucky. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, go on. So there's this creature called the pseudoscorpion. It's not a scorpion. It's a type of arachnid. Ha I knew that because of the name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause... So, again, can we are we keeping score of things Miles knew already? That's, I think, two. Okay. You get two stars. <laughs> Thank you. So it looks like a lot like a scorpion, right. though. As you would imagine, that's why they named it. But what is it in in actuality? An arachnid. Oh, um, a little wannabe ass scorpion spider. <laughs> exactly. Okay. 
So the moms will offer herself up to her babies to eat, and the babies will suck out those sweet mom juices through her joints and then discard her carcass. <laughs> okay, you have to slow down. <laughs> okay, so this fake ass scorpion has mm-hmm. kids, mm-hmm. and then the kids just what they feed off her joints. What they do you mean? suck? No, no, no. Imagine like you have a straw, a bendy straw, and you yeah. stick it in soda and you drink out of it. They, they're drinking her juices out of her joints, like they're straws that they've stuck into. Like, but through her joints, yeah, basically? Yeah. Like, like that's the entry up. point? Yeah, yeah. And then from there, they just suck mom Slurp dry, yep. for lack of a better word? Yeah. And the mom like this She's cool too? with it, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, well, this is a tale of a really great mom. <laughs> when you look at it from a very specific perspective, this is heartwarming because- uh, researchers think this has given rise to these pro-social behaviors in pseudoscorpions. So the young hunt together and parents like help protect the young. Um, so like since the, the mother is encouraging the young, like when they don't have enough to eat and they're like, oh, well, you can eat me, your mom. They don't eat each other and they don't compete with each other. So they think that this allowed for more fraternally social pseudoscorpions to have survived and evolved so wow yeah so like if you want your kids to get along let them meet you yeah, just like, hey 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 pipe down in there no. stop fighting you can both have some mom soda yeah now here get your straw and put it in my kneecap and just have a few sips of that leave each other alone there's a similar case with uh black lace weaver spiders where they will eat their own mom and then they'll dance together So uh, black lace weaver spiders will have over 100 young. So first step is they lay trophic eggs. Trophic eggs are unfertilized eggs that are just there for eating. For eating. Mm -hmm. Uh And so once the babies eat all of these eggs, then the spider will actually guide them under her and kind of press down on them to kind of encourage them to eat her, which... Wow. Yeah, and so they do. And then once they've eaten some good mom, they go onto the web and start the internet. Um, no, it's a physical oh, web. <laughs> I thought, okay, I'm. God, you see how modern technology has it's ruined, ruined me. It's ruined nature. So they web eat their tweeting. mother. Do they mm-hmm. eat their mother dead? Yeah, yeah. They kill her. They eat her, and to, she's all right with it. And uh, to the point, how much are we talking of the body is gone? Like just enough Um, that it's mortally wounded, basically. Well, no, probably like they eat most of the fluids, like the which is sort of like it's probably not going to eat the outer, the exoskeleton because that's tough and not very nutritious. But the the juicy bits, they'll eat all of that. The marrow, if you will, (laughs) the mom marrow. Yeah, and then so they eat the mom, and then they go onto the spider's web. Yes, yes, and then they dance. So they have this synchronized thing where they're all contracting their bodies, like together in sync and it makes the web vibrate and the thought is that this is now that they're suddenly orphaned by strange chance uh-huh. they have to protect themselves so if they if they move together um and like dance together they're vibrating the web as if a much larger spider is on there so like it wards off predators so they think like oh uh, this there's a big someone's home. Yeah, someone's home. Like at home alone right. where Kevin has a little Michael Jordan cut right. out on the <laughs> on the train or the inflatable clown thing yeah. where he pretends his uncles in the shower. Yeah. Or weekend at Bernie's where right. two men try and pretend a dead body's alive. Right. Yeah. See, I'm thank you. I I'm having to put it in scientific terms yes. for me to understand. Yes. Thank you. The the science of home alone. <laughs> And again, like the pseudoscorpion, they actually form social groups and they hunt together. 
so that's a heartwarming thought of like these little mother eating babies just all in one group hunting together. Yeah, and dancing <laughs> right. At, there's something so poetic and about that. Hunting in packs. <laughs> yeah. Is there a video of this dancing? Do they call it dancing the scientists? Um, sh- I, yeah, I mean, some of them do. They, it's not technically a dance, but well, like it's. <laughs> They're not going to start flossing um, or doing the Millie Rock. Uh, unless they might. You think they're so smart. It's like, you guys don't even know why you're doing it. It's been millions of years. Yeah. And you're just figuring it out now. Okay. So I know there's a question that's burning in everyone's mind. Do babies ever eat each other? <laughs> you want me to answer that? Because I know the answer. Yeah. They do. Oh, yeah? Yeah. No, I'm joking. This is a terrible <laughs> joke. Uh, wait, do babies eat each other? Mm-hmm. Like of their own, like their own kin mm-hmm. or do they just are babies wilding out and they go like yo let's go eat some other babies no like their own kin i mean nature's so fucked up the answer has to be yes <laughs> you're learning this Thank is a you. learning podcast and i know learning. i know phenotypes now and... <laughs> have you heard of like there's this uh medical urban legend where like you have twins and then one twin eats the other twin yes like dwight schrute in the office <laughs> he said the exact same thing yes yes and that's why he doesn't not only has the strength of a man but oh. a man and a little and baby. his twin that he ate yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um so like the legend goes like you get an ultrasound there's like twins yay right and then you get another ultrasound and there's suspiciously only one twin remaining so like the conclusion drawn is like oh my twin ate the other, the other one. twins so that they can grow into a strong shoot. Double boy, shoot. double <laughs> girl, double whatever. Boy. Double child. The double boy. So this myth is actually false, mostly. Don't. I like <laughs> that idea, though. This is an actual medical issue called vanishing twin syndrome. It's a miscarriage in which one of the fetuses... See, every time <laughs> I'm like, oh, I like that, and then it ends up being some form of a miscarriage. Yeah. Okay, so I'm sorry. The... It's a syndrome in which, okay, there's you start off with two. Right. So, like, miscarriages happen pretty often and naturally. So, like, one of the fetuses will die. And then, like we were talking about earlier, what happens is it gets reabsorbed back into the womb. So right, right. The other twin is innocent. It didn't eat the twin. It just is, like, just hanging out. Tell that to the same doctor who was like, a fairy took your kid. Also, that kid ate yeah. the twin. Yeah. So you may want to ask him some questions. <laughs> Those fairies love eating babies. Yeah. Anyways, here's 20 more leeches, and we're going to bleed you. <laughs> so, but there is this really rare condition in which, again, uh, we're going back to sort of the stone baby horror, but like the dead fetus becomes mummified, and it's called fetus papraceus. Nailed fetus it. Papraceus. Fetus papraceus, which translates to paper fetus. Um, what? Because what happens is like the live twin kind of smooshes the, the dead fetus uh-huh. and then it gets wedged between the uterine wall and the live fetus and it becomes like, you know, like flower pressing, but horrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like flower pressing, but, but a fetus. But a fetus and it's terrible. So- and that's paper fetus, yes. mummified paper uh, yes. fetus. Okay. <laughs> so basically fetal cannibalism in humans is a myth, but like you guessed, it's not a myth for non-humans. Uh, so let's go inside a shark womb, Miles. 
Of course. <laughs> I don't trust sharks. Well, you shouldn't because shark wombs are like an embryonic thunderdome. They... Oh, yes. Go on. <laughs> Which is a great band name. Don't take it. Actually, Embry- do take, <laughs> oh, it. My... take it. Take it. That it's sounds fine. like a really dark like yeah. metal band. Embryonic thunderdome. Yeah. We will eat you in the worm. <laughs> Cue blast beats. <laughs> nice. The pregnant sand shark can be carrying several baby sharks at once, but typically only one will emerge victorious. Whoa. Uh, The biggest and strongest fetus will eat its unborn womb mates. So why would it do this? Does it just like hate its siblings? Is it it really hungry? Insecure. Insecure. (laughs) So marine biologists are really interested in this, and they've done research and have found that female sand tiger sharks can carry babies from multiple fathers at once. So when an embryonic shark eats its fellow embryos, it's both cutting down on sibling competition, but also because they have different fathers, it's making sure its paternal DNA is triumphant over its half-siblings. So it's toxic masculinity played out in the womb, and you're murking your half-brothers and sisters. The sharkriarchy. Sharkriarchy. Thank you. Yeah, toxic sharkicity, you know, it's just a problem in our Sharky society. Sharkiest, yes. Okay. Like, can you imagine, like, like you're in a car trip and the, the kids in the back are, like, fighting, like, ah, oh, he's on my side, mm-hmm. like, he's chewing gum too loud. Mm-hmm. And then, like, suddenly it gets, like, really quiet and you look back and there's just, like, one really fat kid. Yeah, just like, no, nah, we're good back here. <laughs> we're fine. Everything worked out. I just, wow, the idea of the paternal dna having mm-hmm. to be dominant or at the very least have that genetic line go on yeah that is so wild to me that it can play out in the womb yes yes that like their reproductive system is wild then, yeah huh? have you ever seen like a so some sharks are live bearing and then some sharks have like these like egg pods and like you hold it up to a light and you can see the little shark embryo like inside moving around. It's like, really cool. And, like it's external? Yeah, yeah. And but it's carried on the mother? No, no. Or so they these just are, lay this it is egg. a different so there's some live bearing sharks and some of them like lay these like these pods that Oh, have the, got you. Like an yeah. alien. Yeah, almost, yeah. Those exactly pods. like okay. an alien. What are those shark pods called? I forgot. Tide pods. Nice. <laughs> God, that's great. <laughs> Boom. So uh, we're going to leave some womb for a quick message. (laughs) Get it? (laughs) Oh, because of... uh, Because of sharks eating each other in the womb. Oh. Right. And room, yes. And room, yes. We'll be right back. you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more more info now. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.
Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great tasting all natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to symbiotica.com. That's C Y M B I O T I K A. So there's another horror trope that I think reflects a deep uh, primal fear, which is the evil mother, like the Bible-thumping mother in Carrie, the spider mom in Coraline, Mother Gothel in Tangled. Uh, My mom. <laughs> um, but no, seriously. Oh, no. Yeah, she's evil. Oh, no. Um, does she suck the life force out of your hair? Basically, I mean, I'm bald. <laughs> In a way, yes, and I blame her. So, Every, go on, I like this section. Now, now everyone who has baldness knows who to, like... Yeah, blame, blame. my mother. Yeah, your mother specifically. Yeah, specifically. She's been sucking all of the hair force. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> she one time said, she goes, it looks like your hair is dying. Oh, no. My own mother. Oh. You know what I mean? And I looked at her, I said, I'm your kid, just so you know. <laughs> Technically, so, technically, hair is already dead. It's the hair follicles. That, thank you, yep. Katie. That, You're uh, welcome. You know what? Can I take a second to call my mother? And I'm yes. like, well, guess what joke's on you? My hair was been dead. Stick that in your mom's pipe <laughs> and have her smoke it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, one of my favorite evil mothers is spoilers for the show Sharp Objects. So if you haven't oh, seen it. Oh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yank out your headphones. Throw your phone in the toilet. Run away. And watch the show, binge it, and I'll see you back. And then in... you realize it was the little sister the whole time, and those <laughs> teeth were actually people's teeth on the floor anyway in the dollhouse. At this point, if they didn't turn Miles. away from the spoiler alert, that's on them. Oh, my God. I'm so, hey, you gave an <laughs> ample spoiler alert warning. Right. Uh, <laughs> this went aggressively to the end of the send show. Send all complaints to, to Miles. At, at Katie Golden. Uh, no. At Bird's Rights Activist. No. <laughs> I blame the bird. Ah, oh, man. But I'm sorry. Going uh, on. Yes. All right. So, the protagonist <laughs> mother is very disturbing. Her favoritism, coldness towards um, the main character. And again, spoilers, 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 go away. The mother feeds her own children rat poison so she can, like, take, take care, care of them. Yeah. She has, like, this bottle of, quote-unquote, medicine that's full of poison that she, like, lovingly makes. And she feeds it to them. She's like, oh, sweetie, you know, just stay in bed. And she takes care of them and pulls the sheets over and, like, mm-hmm. all this stuff. And um, as the show points out, this is a condition called Munchausen by proxy. Yeah. And this is a real disorder. So... Munchausen is when you pretend to be sick yourself and it's not for any financial gain or getting out of work. That's just called malingering and you're just an asshole. Uh, (laughs) Munchausen is you want the attention. It's kind of like that guy who was pretending to be a kid. He wanted the love and attention. So like with Munchausen, you're pretending to be sick so you can get attention onto yourself. Wait, but if it's malingering, what's the – wait, what's the – Malingering is you want financial gain or – Oh, right. Okay, gotcha. It's not not for attention. Yeah. It's it's, just for pure, utter deception. It's just I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go to work. They also call that, right, like if you're on a murder trial and you're trying to act like you're – insane right and you're faking it they call that malingering too, yeah right? yeah okay. yeah it's it's trying, trying to, get to my true crime lingo <laughs> it's to try it's to get a actual tangible reward got you munchausen by proxy is when you use 
a child, you're typically it's a mother using her own child and poisoning them or pretending they're sick in order for you as the parent to get attention because like like we often are kind to the parents of sick children because they're going through a lot right, of trouble right. and that's a good thing but in this case it's this perversion of um, other people's kindness where it's like you are making your child sick so that you get this attention and this like feeling like this good caretaker that's the by proxy version yes. when you use an by proxy. Yes, you're the child. And they're like mommy dearest dead yes. and gone. Wasn't that that is exactly I, I feel like sharper objects use that as inspiration because that That's a dark story, yeah. That is really dark. So that and, so what Miles is talking about is there was this woman, Dee Dee Blanchard, who uh, she forced her child to live as if she was disabled. Right. And um, like in a wheelchair, shaving her head, um, wearing these big glasses. And like she didn't allow her to sort of speak as if she were like normally. She made her act like she was kind of mentally disabled as well. She also like tricked doctors into having her undergo all these unnecessary medical procedures. So right. like they even removed her salivary glands because she would put like this numbing like orgel or some other like gum numbing thing so she would drool during her doctor's visits so they removed the glands to which what it, I, I didn't know, realize that I know it's so upsetting because it's like it's just like making her go through all of this it, it's it's abuse it's child abuse oh 100% right yeah it's like physical and emotional abuse and in this case in in that documentary um, the daughter actually plots and successfully plots to have the mother killed. Right. Which, I mean, it's just the whole thing is awful. But when you look at it from the perspective of she's been abused all this time, it's completely like, of course, she's going to snap. Yeah, and I mean, like right. This. And she was like meant to forego years of her childhood, yeah. and pretend to be someone she wasn't. Yeah. Or wasn't she like even pretending to be like a few years younger yes. than she actually yeah. was? Yeah, because she was actually... She was still being forced to play this role into her early 20s. And right. like her mother was both forcing her to pretend like she's younger and then also like act as if she's mentally behind. Right, so like right. really young. So I feel like this is like it's so similar to like the, the story in Sharp Objects. Yeah, for sure. What I thought was interesting in Sharp Objects was like they had all this stuff where there's a lot of this like imagery of the mother like eating her daughter, because like, remember when she, she was talking about Camille and me, like, oh, she's like a ripe cherry. Oh, and right, the right. sister was talking about like, oh, I could just eat you up. Um, and there's like drinking the milk, which is like poisoned. And just like, this is kind of a theme in mythology and storytelling, this idea of like parents, especially mothers eating children, like the witch and Hansel and Gretel. Right. And there's that great painting by Goya where it's Saturn eating his son. Great as in horrifying, where it's like the guy with the beard and he's like hunched over this like this adult man and like is eating the arms off of it. Um, we'll we'll put that up on the website. Yeah, so you guys. So can, you guys can have yeah, more nightmare fuel. Just share the nightmares. So uh, in nature, this is called filial cannibalism, uh, meaning like you're eating your own children, and it's a lot more common than you might think. Cats, rodents, insects. Other animals will occasionally nibble on their children. Cats? Uh-huh. Sometimes. Oh. <laughs> I mean, are you really that surprised at those assholes? No, because I know like people, <laughs> like sometimes when elderly people die with a bunch of cats, yeah. the cats just be, will eat their face off. Yeah. So. That's yeah. true, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Then Dogs my mom will sometimes lying. eat you too. 
This has come up on our podcast before. This is a... Because <laughs> doesn't it start with like licking and then they're like, okay. Yeah, the, like, with the dogs, look. I feel like it's more innocent. The dog's trying to like wake you up and then they're like, oh, you're actually kind of tasty. Yeah, and like, oh, let's just see um, how far we go with this. <laughs> okay. So fish are a big offender in terms of eating children. So parents will often eat their own babies and they're called fries, which maybe <laughs> explains why. <laughs> really, yeah, they're called... the What is called ba- a fry? Uh, baby fish are called fries. Really? Uh-huh. Okay. So I like this. I'm learning something. <laughs> so that maybe, you know, like the parents are confused and are like, I guess I eat fries. Yeah, I don't I know. Just, you try and just have one, just one. <laughs> try to have one baby. Yeah. You can't have, you can't. Kidding have just me? One you start, baby. you get going. Pretty soon the whole carton's gone. Handfuls of babies. Yeah. Um. So this seems kind of counterintuitive because, like, you would think like the genes for parents that eat their own babies would die out right. because there's no more babies. But it's it's more complicated than that. So eating your own fish babies can actually increase your reproductive success in some cases. So like what researchers have found is that they eat the ones that are slower to develop. And what that does is in fish where they have parental care, like they're trying to make sure their their fries don't get eaten by other fish. <laughs> uh, if they, oh, I love it. If they, don't eat my fries. Okay. If they eat the small, weak, soggy fries. I like soggy fries, to be honest. Well, they do eat them. Okay, well, then I would fit in with the fish parents. I mean, they're all soggy fries because they're fish. It's wet, yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so when they eat the, the slow-to-develop ones, what they're doing is they make it so that the, the ones that are most likely to survive, they're putting all of their parental care into the, the most fit, the fastest developing, most likely to reach adulthood babies. And then the, they're sort of like getting rid of some of the babies that would maybe take away their attention from the, the winter babies. And then they also get a free snack, so some, some right. nutritional advantage. Yeah, they're just, you know, they only want the cream of the crop. Right, you know right. I mean? Yeah, the, separating the curds and the whey. <laughs> so it's like then they have more time to get back to spawning. Right. So it's just merely it's like a time saving thing. It's like, look, I got too many kids. Yeah, basically. I'm just eating slow ones because th- they might not become NBA yeah. players and they will take care of me. So I need to keep going so I can have more kids that might be the next LeBron fish. Right. Right. Okay. It's like B plus. Mm, I guess you you survive this time, but if it's a B minus, whoa, I'm eat yeah. You. Okay. <laughs> That that sounds like a great way to raise your children. Just threaten to eat them. I well, I was nearly raised like that. Oh no! I mean, you know, I gotta achieve, gotta achieve. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. But not. It was never under the fear of being uh, being consumed. Right, right. It would just be like I wouldn't get electricity. Or, oh. Yeah. No. Oh. No, but it's cool. You can do a lot with candlelight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Plotting your revenge. Yep. <laughs> just on your on your scroll with your quill pen. <laughs> So what about eating, like, your whole family, a whole family meal of fries? Oh. Get it? (laughs) So we're moving on to land. Uh, The long-tailed skink, which is, it's just a type of lizard. Right, yeah. yeah. I think I've, don't people have skinks, like, in their terrariums or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I had a roommate who had one. Yeah. Uh, I had a crested gecko once. Yeah. So when the long-tailed skink encounters intruding egg-eating snakes, they reach this point of exasperation where they're just like, fine, I'll eat my eggs. Like, you want to eat my eggs? I'll eat them. <laughs> I like that. So they are risking losing their eggs to this predator. And if it's really persistent, like it keeps coming back, like they're like, they're like, screw it. Like, I'll eat them. Get that nutrition. 
and then try again with a new clutch of eggs. Um, wow. And like pregnant uh, skinks do this the most because they're like, I can just give birth in like, like a week. <laughs> like, I got more in the chamber right now. I got more cooking. So right. like I'll eat these. Uh, and they're just doing it because they don't want, they're like, if anybody's eating my eggs, it's going it, to be gonna me. It's going to be me. It's, it's going to be me. Okay, yeah. so NSYNC It's mom. like when you're like a, as a kid and like your sibling's trying to eat your candy and you're just like, I'll eat it all. And then you get I'll, sick. I'll get really sick, like probably throw up chocolate everywhere, but by God, it's my candy and I'll eat it. I'm glad evolution has awarded that sort of <laughs> baseline greed. That yes. But, you know, you can't always judge a mom cannibal by its cover. Sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's a tropical fish called the big mouth hap, which is really rude of science to call it that. Why? It's just trying to speak its mind and you're calling it a big mouth? Is it, what is the mouth in fact big? Okay, yes it is. The mouth is in fact big. What would you, what's a more sensitive way to name the fish since you're so incensed by this? Anatomically large mouth hap. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So it has a parenting style where it's a caretaker. So it has a whole mess of fish, babies, um, and it's constantly like wrangling them, trying to prevent them from getting eaten or like finding Nemo. And like like when you watch a video of it, sometimes she seems to just like lose her cool and she opens up her mouth and sucks all her babies in. But don't panic. That's for eating? No. Oh. She's just keeping them safe inside her mouth when she senses a predator is nearby. (laughs) <laughs> Whoa, that is wild. It looks like it's Miles eating the just, children. I'm yeah. watching a video of this. Well, Thank you to the BBC. Yeah, we'll put all this stuff up on our website, uh, creaturefeaturepod.com. You can see all the cool cool stuff on there. Yeah, don't just take my groans. <laughs> and... It just it vacuums them up. It's really cool. And um, that's to be like, that's like the panic room, so to yeah, speak, for yeah, the children. Yeah, yeah. The, there's like the uvula just like lights up like a like a, one of those red lights and goes like rear, rear. it does no oh <laughs> <laughs> haven't we proved I'm no nothing about science I'm out here thinking they're actually tweeting their kids and they're doing internet dances okay so, so they, they don't do that so they like hang out in mom's cool fun mouth for a little while and then she spits them back out when it's safe we've come up with that mom's cool fun mouth sounds like a <laughs> A bar opening in Echo Park soon. Mom's that cool I, fun mouth. Yeah, have you been to Mom's cool fun mouth? Get your it's, get your mom poppers. They have like an OG Mortal Kombat machine <laughs> in there. It's cool. Anyway, I think uh, Embryonic Thunderdome's playing in it. <laughs> so there's an even crazier example of this uh, child care strategy, and it's called the gastric brooding frog, which it sounds like a frog that's like got irritable balance, like nobody understands me. (laughs) (laughs) Everything sucks. Okay, Um, gastric brooding frog. uh, So actually it is called this because it keeps its eggs in its stomach. They develop and she gives birth out of her mouth. Like regurgitates them. Yes, yes, throws up a live baby. That's the scientific term. Yes. Correct, okay, I'm, I'm making sure... I'm saying everything according to yes, the scientific standards of the world. Okay. Gold stars all around. So it's a way to keep her eggs safe in like this kind of like evolutionary scenic route towards live bearing. Because it's like it has eggs. It swallows the eggs. The eggs hatch in her stomach and then she throws up babies. And those are like the little tadpoles basically just No, they're fully t- developed little frogs. So they've passed tadpole phase? Mm-hmm. That not a frog starts as a tadpole? Yes. Okay, I'm just, again. No, you're correct. So all those periods of gestation Mm -hmm. happen inside the stomach. Okay. 
And so you might ask, why don't they get digested? Yeah. Um, the eggs are covered in this substance called prostaglandin. So it's a chemical that signals to the mom's stomach to stop producing gastric acid. And I should probably put all of this in past tense because unfortunately the gastric brooding frogs are extinct, which oh. I know. I know. It really That's a low blow, Katie. I know. Why are you bringing up? Opening up old wounds. <laughs> well, it really sucks because, like, for people like me with like sensitive stomachs, it'd be cool if they could research like this prostaglandin and like how okay, it lowers so stomach you're acid. You're somehow making this tragic extinction about your yes. Dig- okay. It's about me. How yeah. quickly the world owes you everything. <laughs> I want to swallow some frogs and have it cure right. my my stomach. It sounds like they're just covered in like tums or something. <laughs> Like it's just neutralizing, or it's not that it's neutralizing, it's sending a signal to the body that's saying no more acid necessary. Yeah, produce less acid. Also, I mean, they are just like really cool. Like there's this great picture of the one of the gastric brooding frogs. It's a little tiny baby frog right in its mouth. See? Little little baby frog. (laughs) Looks like a Russian nesting doll (laughs) where it's like, oh, inside, oh, it's another little frog. How far do the frog, it's frogs all the way down. Right. So I don't want to end the podcast on such a sad note. Well, wait. So how long ago did they go extinct? Though? Just like a few decades ago. Okay. Well, then you know, <laughs> our grandparents are the only ones who are like, "Hey, hey, hey! Show some respect." <laughs> show to respect the gastric for your brooding frog. Frog elders. But here's some hope. So scientists are hoping that they can clone the frogs to bring them back from extinction. Thank fucking God. I know. Please Jurassic Park up in here. Jurassic Park us up some. Baby vomiting frogs. Yeah, at the very least, or we'll just riot. for your sensitive yeah, stomach. I want to eat baby frogs and be cured. I know, but I'm pretty sure your doctor told you that was sort of the cause of your stomach <laughs> issues, right? Is that you were just eating raw frog babies? <laughs> and it's also the cause of the extinction of right. the frogs as I was eating all their babies. Did, yeah, I believe I've seen your photo up at the LA Zoo. It's like, don't let this fucking maniac in, especially near the frogs. <laughs> She'll break in and eat all of your frogs. <laughs> Keep like, her out. like they have that little corkboard of like frequent yeah. offenders. With oh my me. God, I've seen your photo at Petco too. <laughs> When I go to get There's my pet There's just food. like a frog leg sticking out of, out of mouth, my mouth. And you're like, have like a, huh? Face well, it's because I'm French. <laughs> oh, wow. Way to kick the French while they're down. I'm sorry. True American patriot. <laughs> well, if they're going to pretend to be children, they deserve it. Yeah, hey, why not? So, Miles, you got anything to plug? Oh, man. <laughs> what don't I? You know, I'm doing a benefit for uh, gastric brooding frogs this week. <laughs> At the Embryonic Thunderdome, right next to Mom's Fun Mouth. Uh, no, uh, you know, come listen in on the daily zeitgeist that I host I with. I have heard of it. Yeah, with Jacques <laughs> O'Brien, who you may or may not know. Oh. I think oh, it's Jacques O'Brien. Jacques O'Brien. Uh, and, uh, yeah, come see us over there. Uh, we talk every day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you've been on the show. We had a great time, and uh, you know, we talk news and politics and culture, and it's just an easy way to like stay to digest. Yeah, keep up with the times without getting fully, you know, have your hair on fire and feel down yeah. about the world because we try to balance it out. Yeah, uh, and then you know, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. So that's it. I'm I'm a humble man. I'm a simple <laughs> man. I don't have much else to plug. And you can follow me on Twitter at Katie Golden, G-O-L-D-I-N, mm-hmm. uh, and also at Pro Bird Rights, which yes. is, is the, that's the that's where you get the good stuff. You can check us out on our website, 
creaturefeaturepod.com and our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And come back next week. Yeah. Please come back. No, come back. You get you get your freaking butts. Yeah. Sit your butts down. Or the frogs listen, get it. Or <laughs>